teaching ministry of Pastor Jay Everly. Get ready to be empowered through the understanding of God's Word. Look at something tonight, kind of picking up from where we were on Sunday morning. I just couldn't get that out of my spirit or crawl or whatever it is. It's down on the inside of me somewhere. And I got so much in this area, I want to just keep sharing on it unless the Lord leads me differently. And you're open to it, aren't you? If you were to uh, do a survey in any church in America today and ask how many people are having marriage problems, you get a certain percentage of people raising their hands. How many people are having uh, physical problems, you get a certain percentage of people raising their hands. How many people are tormented in your mind, you get a certain percentage of people raising their hands. How many people are having financial difficulties, all the people would raise their hands. And uh, not, not, maybe not all of them, but a, huge per- a much larger percentage of people would raise their hands. That's because Satan, uh, he tries to work in this area. If you find out what Jesus said in Luke 4, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. The first thing he said was to preach the gospel to the poor. poor. He had something he wanted to tell the poor. Yeah, there's a whole lot he told the poor. But one thing he told the poor was, you don't have to be poor no more. Because he said, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord was what he went on to say. And the acceptable year of the Lord was whenever everybody who had gone into debt uh, because they, uh, of, of financial tr- struggles and so forth, all their debts were canceled on the year of Jubilee. That's what the acceptable year of the Lord was in the Old Testament. And we know it's typology of forgiving of sins, and we had a great debt to God, and that's been canceled. Uh, you know, our, our, pen- our penalty for sin has been canceled. We know that. But you also have to, have to say, if you read the New Testament closely, that Galatians 3.13 and many other verses, you know, talk about God supplying us richly and redemption covered financial, financial things. Yes. Amen. And, and uh, you know, I, I start preaching on these things. Really, at the church, we don't take many services and just preach on this subject. We refer to it. We, we say something about it in the offerings, you know, and so forth and so on. But we don't take many services and just say what the Bible says and teach what the Bible says about this subject very much. But um, I just believe that, that uh, you know, to counteract everything that's going on out there in the news media, you can't hardly turn the news on without the economy's bad, people don't have jobs, and, and all of this, and this, the government's so far in debt and will never get out. You, you, you're just being bombarded out there. And not just because I just want to counteract that, but I believe the Spirit of God stirred me up over the last week to start sharing more about this. Amen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And don't tell me, well, I don't want any of this old world's goods because uh, you're working every day out there to get this old world's goods. Either you're being a hypocrite when you work on your job or you're being a hypocrite when you, hypocrite when you come to church and say that because your actions don't line up with your words if you're saying that. Amen. Besides that, it's not this old world's goods. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And why did he make it? Because he needed food to eat? No, he's not down here. He's, not, he's in heaven. He made it for us to live down here and enjoy our lives on this earth. No, I'm not talking about covetousness. I'm not talking about living for money. I'm not talking about making it a priority over the things of God. I'm not talking about being proud because you have some. You know, there's a lot of things the Bible talks about not getting involved with in this area. But none of that is a financial condition. It's a heart condition that gets inside because of a financial condition. Actually, it can get into somebody's heart before they even have the finances. You can covet money and not have any. <laughs> Amen. Actually, you can, be, you can be so proud that you're broke. I've seen people like that too. But anyway, we want to get into this and um, really get back into some of what we were sharing on Sunday and take it a little bit further. I guess to, go to, to start, let's go to the Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Um, throughout the Bible, God revealed Himself in various ways to various people. One of the ways He revealed Himself in the Old Testament is He would reveal Himself by His name. And uh, throughout the Bible, we have many names for God, Elohim. Many of us translated God, but many times the Hebrew word will be different. It'll be Elohim, uh, El Shaddai, uh, Jehovah Rapha. There's all sorts of names throughout the Bible for God, and that's God revealing Himself to us. Amen. Now, um, one of the names that he revealed himself as, we sh- shared on Sunday, was El Shaddai. We talked a little bit about the God who is more than enough. Yes, 
Amen. Uh, actually, it means the, the nourishing God, literally, if you, you boil it down into, um, it, literally, this, this sounds vulgar or something, but it's, but you know, a clean mind won't see it as vulgar. Literally, it means the breasted one that nourishes, literally. If you want to literally translate it, El Shaddai means the one who nourishes the breasted one. Amen. Well, that's just who we have. We have God that we can be nourished. Anytime we need nourishment, we can go for nourishment. I mean, spirit, soul, body, financially, anything we need. He's the one that is all sufficient to nourish us in every area of our lives. Hallelujah. Then we have Jehovah Jireh. We find in the 22nd chapter of Genesis where God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. Without going into all the story or at least reading the whole story. You remember God told Abraham to, I, to offer Isaac, his son, as a sacrifice uh, to him. And uh, Abraham was willing to do that and, uh, because God wanted to make a, actually had made a covenant with Abraham and uh, wanted to really, according to verse number 1 of Genesis 22, that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him. The word tempt means to prove. Now, sometimes people will say, well, God's, I'm going through this hardship. I'm going through this test, this trial, you know. The tornado come and blew my house over, and God's testing me, approving me. Well, notice it didn't say here God tested Abraham by sending a tornado. He said he, God, God uh, did tempt Abraham. That means test him. And what? Said something to him. That's how God proves us by what he says to us and tells us to do. I think my mic went off. You didn't hear that. It's him coming and saying, um, I want you to do this. I want you to whatever. Go to Bible school. Or I want you to serve in the church. Or I want you to. And he tells you something. He wants you, I want you to give an offering. Or I want you to do this. Amen. Take up your cross and follow me. Well, that's, a, that's how God does these things is by asking us to do something. And so he did tempt him or tested him and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, I am here. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Notice God specifically said that, uh, Abraham, I know you're attached to Isaac. This is your only son, the one that you love. You know, get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering and, and so forth. You know the story. He rose early in the morning in verse 3 and sat of the ass, took the two young men and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up. You know the story. Abraham's going on the way. And finally, Isaac said, uh, you know, we have everything here but the, but the, but the, the sacrifice. Yeah. And Abraham said, well, God will provide himself a lamb. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's, that's really faith speaking because we don't have record that God told him that. He just knew God's not asking me something that he already gave me. He's just te testing me, all right? So he took the wood and burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. Now let's go down in verse number, uh, verse 8 is what we just quoted. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. That's actually prophetic about Jesus coming. How many of you know really that's what that's all about? Uh, verse number 9, came to the place where God had told him. Let me, let me just save some time. You know God told him to do this. So he gets, gets Isaac, puts him on the altar, binds him up, and, uh, and lifts up the knife to uh, offer him as a sacrifice. And God said, stop. How many of you know God isn't into uh, human sacrifices? He just was seeing if he was willing to do it. I've heard stories along that line. Somebody, I remember one guy was told a story about he, he kept coming up to the altar and he'd get close to God and get right with God, but he didn't want to get too close because every time he'd get close, God, God would start talking to him about going to China. Or he least thought God was going to have him go to China and be a missionary to China. He didn't want to go to missionary China, be a missionary in China. So he kept leaving, getting away from God, because every time he'd get close, it seemed like God was talking to him about being a missionary to China. Finally, it just wasn't working out for him. I mean, his life's getting messed up. So finally, he said, all right, God. And he came to the altar, dedicated his life to God, said, oh, if you want me to go to China, I'll go to China. I surrender all. I surrender all. Finally, God said, I don't want you to go to China. I just want to see if you're willing to go to China. That's the way a lot of things are with God. So here we go, God's, uh, Abraham's willing, God stopped him, and the Bible said in verse 15, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham, Abraham out of the heavens uh, the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for behold, thou hast done this thing and hast withhold, not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and, and multiplying I will multiply thee, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and uh, so forth and so on. Now, notice when uh, Abraham was stopped, the Bible says that God 
God, look down here in uh, verse number 13. Abram lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering for the, uh, in the stead of his son. And Abram called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, and the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. This is where we get the name, the word Jehovah-Jireh, God's name, Jehovah-Jireh. Woo, and if you saw what's coming tonight, you'd, get, you'd buckle your seatbelt because we're going to see Jehovah-Jireh all through the Bible. He's Jehovah-Jireh yesterday, today, and forever. He's still, he's still providing uh, for people that need, have needs today. Praise God. And the word Jehovah-Jireh means the Lord who sees and provides. The Lord, uh, one translation says, rather than Jehovah-Jireh, on Yahweh's mountain there is vision. Another one said, the Lord is seen. Another one says, provision shall be made. And that's what Jehovah-Jireh means, to see ahead of the need and make provision before you even know you had the need. Hallelujah. Now, I'm developing more and more in faith that God Jehovah-Jireh has already been ahead of me and provided for my every need. Now, get this. Not only for the needs I have because I've come up to, his, to a plan that he had and, and that the plan requires his help. But I'm talking about even needs I have because I, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> made a mistake. Anybody ever make a mistake? And goof up and, and, and waste it or lose money or do the wrong thing or whatever. Oh, how many of you know God's still Jehovah Jireh? Praise God. I think about, uh, you know, you go back to the Old Testament. You go back to Jonah and you find out Jonah was in was disobedience by getting in that boat and going the other direction when God said go to uh, Nineveh, I believe it was. He went the other direction. Well, you remember the storm that came up? He got in trouble. And then he said to the guys, well, it's me, you know. I'm in trouble because I'm disobeying God. And they said, well, what should we do? And he said, well, throw me overboard. And they said, well, we'd rather not, you know. <laughs> Finally, they prevailed upon him because it wasn't getting any better. Or he prevailed upon them, and they threw him overboard. And this is, what, this is what the Bible says for a disobedient prophet, out of the will of God, You'd think his life is over. And the Bible says that God prepared a great fish. Here's somebody in disobedience and is suffering because of his disobedience, and God provided a way of escape out of that thing. That's the God I serve, Jehovah Jireh. Well, when I get myself in a, in a mess because I just wasn't too smart, anybody know what I mean? He's there to bail me out whenever my heart was right, but my head was dumb. <laughs> well, I was trying to hit the mark, and I missed it. And get, here's God providing a way out of that, even because even since it was my mistake, that doesn't mean I have to. Yeah, there might be some, it might be delayed, and it might take longer because there has to be some things rearranged, but God will get you to where you needed to be. Hallelujah. I think of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. God's, he said, there's no temptation taking you, but what's common to man, he'll, make, he'll with the temptation make a way of escape. There's always a way out of everything. It doesn't matter if you've done, if you're the one that got yourself in that or, or, you know, it was just attacked because you were in the will of God. Either way, there's a way out, especially if you stay humble, stay repentive, stay, stay open to correction, you know. Oh, the thing about God is it's never over. He's got second chances, third chances, fourth chances, fifth chances. You're getting a little better each time, but whoops, I did it again. You know, there's just things in our life that because of the way we think, we have an inclination to mess up in that area. Well, I don't know about you, but I know about me. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, if it wasn't for the mercy of God, none of us would be used or anointed or a blessing or even out of, you know. <laughs> you know, we'd just all be messed up. Amen. Thank God for the mercy of God. So God's ahead of you. Even if you've made mistakes, He's already ahead of you. He can get you out of the mistakes. 
I just, you, you just, sometimes you just have to throw yourself on the mercy of God. You know, if you had done everything right, you wouldn't need mercy. You could get by on justice. Mercy is for people that miss it. Anybody in here that's ever missed it, hold up your hand. Those that didn't raise your hand, you just missed it. Because you just lied. Thank God, that's what Jesus was all about. He came for people that missed it. Yeah, but I should have known better. Well, probably so, but welcome to the human race. I'm not saying, you know, intentionally making mistakes or being, you know, knowingly and, and maliciously saying, I'm going to disobey God, you know. I'm talking about just somebody that messes up and then they get it, get it right in their heart, but they still got the mess in the natural realm, you know. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's Jehovah Jireh. He's already ahead of your mistakes. Amen. Glory be to God. So Abraham said, God already saw that, that I was going to need a sacrifice, and he got this ram over here and prepared it for me. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful that God's that way? I believe that, like, you know, we're close to the end of today. I'm not, I'm not Jehovah Jireh still for today, but like tomorrow, for example. I believe everything's already provided for me tomorrow. I got some meetings I got to have with certain people and some business transactions. God's already been there. He's already, he's already taken care of it. He's already moving on them. He's already influencing them. My angels are there ahead of time. I believe it. I want to, uh, if you look through the Bible, actually you go back to the book of Genesis. Let's just look at the book of Genesis, the first chapter here. Uh, let's look at a few things. And this might not, we might not get this all out tonight, but I'm going to work with it until, until it's out of my spirit. There's going to be faith rise up in your heart. Good, good things are on their way if you'll believe Jehovah Jireh is your God. God made the entire, really the entire universe, not just this planet, but the entire universe. Um, and the Bible tells us that the stars, the sun and the moon, like, like, for, like here in the first chapter of Genesis, the 14th verse, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Now, let me ask you a question. Where is he talking about the day from the night? Is he talking about out in some galaxy somewhere? No, on the earth. To divide the day from the night on the earth. All right. So what are these there for? These lights, these are the stars and, of course, the moon. It'll say that in a minute. Um, he said, let the lights be in the firmament of the heavens be divided or, or be... Uh, let there be light in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. So they're up there to uh, do something for the earth. Isn't that right? And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Let them be for, uh, the, for light in the firmament of the heaven, talking about on this earth, and, and give light upon the earth, and it was so. And he made two great lights, talk about the sun and the moon and so forth, and then the lesser lights to rule the night stars. But look at verse, uh, this is the Amplified. Let me read this in the Amplified. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be signs and tokens of God's provident care, and to mark seasons, days, and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky. Uh, notice the Amplified says, tokens of God's provident care. In other words, you know, you hear Dr. Dufresne talking about, look at the birds. He's also saying here, look at the stars and the moon. Think about the fact that the sun, well, really the earth is just the perfect distance from the sun. You know, any closer than we'd fry up, further away we'd freeze out. I mean, God put it at the right place. Think about the fact that it rotates so that we can rest part of the day. Or Actually, it's night. Think about the fact that, um, you know, just the seasons and everything, uh, there's, there's so much uh, orchestration to the entire universe just so this planet will function for we can breathe, so we can live. Amen. So that we don't fly off the planet and end up in space because there's no gravity. I mean, the, the moon has pulls on the earth and pulls the tides, and, and it's just everything's just orchestrated so perfectly. Why did God do that? He did it to take care of the earth. To bless the earth. Why the earth? Because 
His ultimate purpose for the earth was to be a place to take care of a man. You know, humans. I'm talking about all mankind. Praise God. So really, everything out there was Him taking care of us. Just so we could have this planet. We don't have a record of any other planet where there's life. Amen. Go back to the book of Isaiah. Some people spend their entire intellectual life trying to find out the answer to what Isaiah said already, or actually God said through Isaiah, the 45th chapter. Notice what it says here. Bless these scientists' hearts. I feel sorry for them being so stupid as they are. (laughs) Trying to come up with all these theories about evolution and all that. Remember that whole semester we did on it, you know? Shows the Word of God shows them just to be foolish, literally. Look at the uh, 45th chapter. Notice what it says, the 18th verse. It says that God, thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain. That means there's a purpose for it. He didn't create it just for no reason. He created it for a purpose, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. In other words, he made this whole planet for us to live here. Well, you know the story of Genesis, how God created the heavens and the earth, and He created all the animals, and He created all the trees, and all the birds, and all the, all the fish, and, and the stars, and the moon, and all the galaxies, and everything. He created it all, made sure there was gravity, made sure there was an atmosphere man could breathe, and everything was put in place. Put the gold in the ground, the silver in the ground, the iron ore, the copper, the everything, you know, the diamonds, everything's in there. Made this place, literally the Garden of Eden, this, the word Eden means uh, delight Amen. or luxuriate. You heard minister come say luxuriate. It's kind of the same thing. Amen. Yeah. Ooh, God didn't make this place no broke place. Exactly. Why did he do all that? Well, you can tell why he did it by what he did last. Because he did all of that, made this planet, formed it, did everything he did, and then he made man and put him in there. Yeah. And then there was nothing else done. In other words, that's the whole purpose for the whole thing. Whenever he got to the, making, whenever he got to the point he made the man, that's, he's saying that's what the whole thing was for. Because he didn't make anything after that. Isn't that right? So he made everything here for man because he wanted a place to take care of you and I. Can you say amen to that? Now notice he didn't make man and hang him out in the space somewhere and say, boy, it sure, he'd probably like to be standing on something. No, he prepared everything ahead of time because that's just his nature. He's always thinking ahead of what you'll need before you even get there. Amen. Oh, we're just getting started on this tonight. Jehovah Jireh. Tell your neighbor he's Jehovah Jireh to me. Praise be to God. So really, there's a word that we don't use too much in our modern vernacular, at least I don't, but it's this word providence. Providence. It means to act or the act of providing uh, or providing provision, preparation, timely care, active foresight accompanied with the procurement of what is necessary for future use. I like that. The word providence means active foresight. I'll say that again. Somebody probably want to write that down. Uh, timely care and active foresight accompanied with a procurement of what is necessary for future use. In other words, God saw ahead of what we would need and uh, because of His foresight, He procured everything we needed. In other words, He got everything and provided everything we would need. I mean, He didn't make make us with with, uh, lungs to breathe air and then say, I forgot the air. No, the air was already here. Isn't that right? Everything was already here by the time man got here because he's always providing for your need before you even know you have it. One verse in the Old Testament in Isaiah says, before you call, I answer. That just means I knew you were going to call before you even did. Now, he still said call. You know, the Bible says he knows what things you have need of before you ask him. It's not just, well, he knows. He'll do it. No, he said ask him. 
In other words, release your faith for it. But the point is, what you're releasing faith for is already available. You're releasing faith for something He's already provided. Hallelujah. That's the God you serve. And uh, so it also, it, it, uh, it means that God made provision ahead of time and the preparations that were necessary for you before you even came on the planet. Now, according to the Word, He's prepared a path for you ahead of time as well. Taking that path, the plan, of, the plan that He has for your life, you'll bump right into that supply. You have to exercise faith for it. doesn't mean you don't have to exercise faith for it. Amen. So God actually prepared everything Adam and Eve needed to live in a perfect setting and a perfect blessing and he used his skill and wisdom to plan out the course of their lives and to lead them into every good thing by his benevolent guidance. Actually, remember he created Adam and then he said, uh, Adam, the gold's over here. Do you remember him telling him that? It's over in the land of Havilah. In other words, he didn't say, that's evil. Don't, don't, don't go over there, Adam, that's evil. No, he said, over here's the gold. <clears throat> gold's over here. He wasn't trying to hide it from him. He put it here for him. You go back and read it. He'll still do that today. Uh -uh. The increase in investments is right here. Yeah, he'll tell you today. He loves you. You're his child. This was not your idea that he provide for you. It was his idea that he provide for you. You don't have to talk him into it. He had this idea before you even thought about being his child. Father, before you were a twinkle in your mom and dad's eye, God said, I know they're coming. All these people that talk about we're running short on this, we're running short on that, that's just a bunch of poverty-spirited stuff. Amen. There's plenty down here, trust me, plenty. Actually, uh, whoever does these kinds of figures says that there's enough money on the earth for everybody to be a multi-billionaire. Multi-billionaire. Well, where's mine? You might say, where's mine? Well, it's here. You don't have to pray God throw it out of heaven. It's already down here. Already here. Now, um, so actually God planned it out with His skill and His wisdom, everything they would need for the entire course of their lives and that they could live a good life and uh, he would guide them right into it. Of course, they threw that all away by getting into sin and rebelling against God. Amen. But in spite of that, the heart of God has never changed. I said it's never changed. The, the actually, what I want to get into tonight was, is that God actually not only prepared everything Adam needed and Eve, or all of us, because we were all coming, you know. Uh, he didn't only prepare everything they needed. He also prepared for the event of someone sinning. Now, I want you to look at that because there's nothing that surprised God. God had already prepared for it all. Adam's sin did not make God scurry around and try to go to plan B. God had already planned ahead of time. If he sins, here's what's going to happen. You want to see it in the Word of God? Amen. Now, here's where it is. Let's go over to the, uh, let's go back to the book of Revelation. There's so much, uh, so much along this line. Praise the Lord. 13th chapter of the book of Revelation. It calls God here, the 13th chapter, or actually, excuse me, it calls Jesus, something that we need to pay attention to. We're going to read several verses here and show you how God had planned even ahead of time for man's fall. Revelation 13, verse number 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus is referred to here as the Lamb slain, notice, from the foundation of the world. Well, I messed up. I know God already is way ahead of that. It's over. I'm done. It's too late. I've failed too many times. You can't. God's already way ahead of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, this is blessing me. I, I, if you all want it, I'm take it, but I'm going to eat it myself. 
All right, now back to the book of 1 Corinthians. It says, we speak the wisdom of God now. Back 1 Corinthians 2, 7. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Now, this mystery, he refers to it in his terminology. It's the plan of redemption. The mystery that was hidden from the foundation of the world. The plan that God had set aside and marked off as his plan for redemption of mankind. That's, that's Jesus and his blood and so forth and so on. Uh, he spoke, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. All right. So he set aside the lamb. He promised eternal life before the foundation of the world. Um, and he marked off a plan from the foundation of the world for man in the case of sin. In other words, he did that way before man even sinned. You just can't mess up whenever God's so far ahead of you. I know you can mess up, but I mean, God can fix it up. Amen. There's just nothing he can't do. Hallelujah. You can ruin your life. I mean, you basically are, are ruined physically, ruined financially. Ruined. Your name is ruined. I mean, you're, you're committed to, to, to jail forever and ever. You know, three life terms, and God can even turn all that around. In fact, I know people he's done it for. Had their, had their right to vote taken away from them and the right to fly a plane. Uh, uh, people that just were, 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 they threw away the key on this guy. I'm talking about Randy Greer. Anybody ever heard of Randy Greer? You heard it? I think he came here and preached. Uh, I mean, but, but it wasn't over. It wasn't too late. God was way ahead of him. He made provision. Now he's out of jail uh, legally. <laughs> he has been given the right to vote again. He now flies his own private plane. Because that was illegal. He, he had that taken away from him. And he's completely cleared of, of uh, felony charges. Out preaching the gospel today, getting people saved all over America. Praise God. But they said, you'll never get out, man. <laughs> you don't kill policemen with, you know, with a gun and, and get out. But he did. Praise the Lord. So God can take care of that. that you just can't mess up so bad he can't fix it up. He's already ahead of that. Now, if you just maliciously do it, knowing that you're rebelling against God, you know, that's, you, you might want to think about that too, before you do it too long. You could get killed before you're done. Amen? Now, here's the deal. We find then that Jesus was God's plan. He was the sacrificial lamb set before the foundation of the world. God had a plan, and it was Jesus coming and paying our price. And it was God's plan. The Amplified says, here in verse 7, his plan marked off from the foundation of the world to, um, to, to uh, bring us into the glory. Hmm. Ah. Can we just say something just a minute or so? We're not done with that passage, so stay there, but go back to Romans 8. Mm hmm. Let's go back to Romans 8. Look at verse 29. Whom he did foreknow, when did he know you? He knew you before you were born. He knew you from the foundation of the world. Even whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate. Now, a lot of times people think he's predestinated today for how it's going to be tomorrow. Actually, he predestinated from the foundation of the world that all who receive him are saved. That's what he's talking about. He whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, he planned from the foundation of the world, this is how you will be, become once again like God. Because Adam was like God. He was righteous, he was holy, and so forth and so on. He was clothed in the glory. But so here's how I'm going to get you back to that. For whom he did foreknow, verse 29, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. You what? The gl I'm glorified? Yeah, when the Holy Ghost came in you, that's the glory. But that's just the down payment. See, by making you righteous, you see what he said in verse 30? Then he called, then he also justified. That's the word for righteous, whom he justified, then he also glorified. That's God preparing you for the glory world forever and ever. You know what God's doing in you right now? He's already right now working on getting you ready for heaven. He's way ahead of you. 
through right standing with Him. Oh, my goodness. God has such an awesome plan. All right. Back to 1 Corinthians 2. He, he marked this off as His plan to bring us back to the glory. I could preach on that for a week, but anyway. Verse 8. For which none of the princes of this world knew. In other words, the plan of redemption. Satan, the God of this world, and mankind didn't know. Uh, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory, especially the devil. The devil uh, killed him and said, we, we've removed this anointed one from the earth. Didn't know he was just planting a seed. If he'd have known what he was doing, he would never have killed Jesus. Because now he's trying to get rid of this anointed one, and now they're everywhere, they're everywhere, they're everywhere. There's, there's Christians everywhere destroying yokes and laying hands on the sick and casting out devils. And... All right. But verse 9, as it is written, eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath, 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 hath prepared for them that love him. Hath prepared. All right, so not only did he, did he prepare the sacrificial lamb and, and, and promise eternal life, not only did he mark off the plan of how to get people back to the, to the glory when they lost, all have sinned and come short of the glory. So that man lost the glory, so God had a plan marked off, even before man sinned, a plan marked off to bring him back to the full glory that he had before he sinned. And we're in that process right now. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And we have also been baptized. In, we're born again. The Holy Ghost lives in us. We're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We're just uh, ready for, getting ready for heaven. Hallelujah. And we're going from glory to glory. Increasing in more glory. One of these days we're going to go, and we're going to go out of here and live in that glory. See, he's already planning all that. He's already working out all this plan. Oh, man, I'm having fun. But notice not only that, but he hath prepared things for them that love him. Amen. Well, we don't know what it is. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Really, he's talking about Old Testament, folks. Because Jesus began to preach things that had been hidden from the foundation of the world. And now Paul's preaching the mystery. Paul's preaching the redemption. Paul's preaching righteousness, which Jesus began to preach. And Paul and Peter and James and John, they began to preach it. They're, they're preaching restoration. They're preaching righteousness. They're preaching redemption. They're preaching everything you lost has been restored, redeemed from the curse of the law, authority of the believer. All these truths are, are God telling us. There's something available for you. There's something available for you. I've prepared some things for you. So it's not I has not seen here, has not heard in the New Testament, unless a person is just living in their carnal mind. But it's I have not seen here, hath not, not heard, but verse number 11, um, what, excuse me, verse 10, God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. So it's not that we don't know what belongs to us and the things, the things God has prepared for them that love Him. People say, we just don't know what God's going to do. Please. Well, do you have a Bible? Come on, come on. Do you have the Holy Ghost in you? He'll come teach on. you. Exactly right. Come on. Hallelujah. I know what he'll do for you. I know what he'll do for me. I know what he said. He said, I know the thoughts I have for you. Amen. Thoughts, some translations say plans for good, not of evil, Amen. to bring you into an expected end. Woo, that's what he's got planned for me. Amen. Well, he might plan a tornado to blow your house down. Where on earth did you get that? Was that originally in the garden when God planned for man to live in a perfect sitting, setting? No, never. The Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He uses the weather patterns to destroy things. Oh, I preach him good tonight. Now, he made the plan of redemption to restore man all that he had lost. Now go to Ephesians chapter number 1. It gets better. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us a little bit more about this. <clears throat> verse number, we'll start in verse number 3. Ephesians 1, 3, down through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who one of these days when we get to heaven is going to bless us. What is half? That's past tense. When's He going to bless you? When did He do it? From the foundation of the world. Man sinned and lost it, but Jesus was the plan from the beginning. 
All right, so for indeed we have had the glad tidings of the gospel of God proclaimed to us just as truly as they, the Israelites of old, did when the good news of deliverance from bondage came to them, you know, out of Egypt's bondage. We have the, the glad news preached to us of deliverance just like they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith, with the leaning of the entire personality on God in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness by those who heard it. They didn't mix faith with what they heard. Remember, he's talking about them at Kadesh Barnea complaining and saying, we can't possess it. Remember all that? So by uh, those who heard it, they didn't believe. Neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who, had, uh, who, who heard and did believe. For we who have believed, adhered to, and trusted, and relied on God do enter that rest in accordance with His declaration that those who did not believe should not enter when He said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And this... He said, although his works had been completed and prepared and waiting for all who would believe from the foundation of the world. What's he talking about here? The work to provide this place of rest, work, that work was completed from the foundation of the world. And, and God's saying here, the place of rest was not Canaan's land. Because... The prophecy about believing and entering into rest came to a man who was already, David, who was already in Canaan's land enjoying it. Yeah, and he said, there's still a rest for the people of God. Amen. And it was done from the foundation of the world. Well, the foundation of the world, let's see what happened. Uh, creation. Right? Yes, but that's not all that happened. Something else happened. He said, although the works, do you see what it says there? Although the works, King James says, uh, let's see, what verse is that? Verse number three, they, uh, although the works, plural, were finished from the foundation of the world. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Amplified says works had been completed. Works, plural, works, plural, works, plural. Not just the creation work at, at the foundation of the world. The redemptive work in God's mind was finished from the foundation of the world. Because he already prepared the sacrificial lamb. Even knowing that man was going to sin, he prepared. He was already ahead of that. <laughs> Praise God. All the work that, uh, that, that needed to be done for you to be uh, taken care of, God already took care of it. Not just in creating this planet, but even for the work of redemption you would need in order to have all the rights to this, uh, all the blessings of this planet restored back to you and the authority over it. Remember, Adam had authority over it. Not only did God give him the planet, but he said, I give you authority over it. That's what man lost. He lost the, the right to call it to him and say, now you come to me in Jesus' name. Adam had that, but man lost that. Now we got it back. We have authority over the planet. We can say, now you come to me. I need this to do this. Obey God. That redemption... Uh, is yours, and now you can say, because the work is done, I have this supply. I have everything I need. It's already been prepared, and I have the authority over it to call it to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could take a lot more time on that, but I just want you to see that that's what it was. He had already prepared it from the foundation of the world. Now, Canaan's land was not a fulfillment of the, uh, the blessings that God had provided. It was just a type. Amen. In fact, all through the Old Testament, we have many types of God providing a place for His people and preparing it ahead of time. But it was all types of what the real, the real redemptive work that God did through Jesus Christ from the foundation of the world. You want to look at some of those things? Canaan's land was just a type. Um, now, back in Psalm 66, if you want to go to some of these, I'm going to be moving kind of quickly because we're just already running out of time. But let's look at Psalm 66, or listen as you want to write it down yourself, however you want to do it. Psalm 66, look at verse 12. Talking about Canaan's land, he said, Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou brought us out into a wealthy place. Now that actually, uh, specifically, is referring to Canaan's land. This is an Old Testament verse, an Old Testament a uh, 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 saint, you might call him, somebody through, who through uh, believing the prophets and what they were prophesying about the Messiah coming and everything like that, they got in on the blessing. And God said, I'm going I'm to prepare a place for you. 
Even my Old Testament people, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they eventually got into it, and God's here, God here calls it a wealthy place. Remember, he had said in Deuteronomy 28, you'll have uh, cities you didn't build, vineyards you didn't plant. And he said, you'll be able to dig iron ore out of the hills and gold and brass. And he said, it's a land that drinks water out of the rain of heaven. You won't have to water it with your foot. That's an old style of irrigation system. They weren't going to have to labor to prosper in there. It was going to be a wealthy place. Well, that's closer to what God had planned for Adam in the garden. Can I just share with you about the garden a little bit? They threw it all away because of sin, but in the garden, here's God's original plan. God had always planned that man live happily in his provident care like he did in the garden. In the garden, they never had to cook a meal. It grew on trees. Still does today, but you've got to cook it. In the garden, hello, <laughs> they never had to plant a garden. They didn't have to plant their food. It grew on its own. They never had to sweat. They never had to labor. He didn't want his people struggling, alone, uh, barely getting by and trying to survive on their own. He wanted them to live in his blessing, in his provident care, things that grew up of, of his own providence. Amen. On their own accord, without their labor. Well, let's get a little closer here now. Still following me? He determined ahead of time that's how it would be for them in the garden. I said he determined ahead of time that's how it would be. Hallelujah. He even provided things for their enjoyment in the garden. He said the trees were pretty to look at. Did you ever read that in the book of Genesis? The flowers. He, why, do you, why do we need flowers? They're pretty to look at. God likes nice things. I'm just, I'm just going to break it to you now. He likes nice things. How many of you, whenever you, want to get, whenever you want to get in the presence of God and pray, that you go in the middle of New York City, sit down on a thoroughfare that's got taxis going like this, and you start praying? Come on. Oh, you get out in the quiet of the woods and maybe out a garden behind your house or something like that, don't you? Amen. God likes gardens. He likes quiet places. He likes land. Mm. You laugh, but if we get into it, I'm going to show you all through the Word. God had land for His people. He's, he's got a place. Let me tell you, He's got a place for you. You're His child. This planet belongs to His people. He wants you to enjoy your portion of it. That's one thing we're talking to God about right now. God, we got neighbors right there and right there. We could, we could reach out and touch them without even getting out of the window. Almost. Not quite, but you know. We want some elbow room. Amen. Well, some of you are thinking about it. But here he called it a wealthy place. Sin separated man from this, but through, through what he began to prophesy, there's a Messiah coming. Uh, they got in on the, the wealthy place. Can you say amen? amen? Oh, glory to God. But actually, in the New Testament, we actually in the Old Covenant, let's back up to the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was... They got in this wealthy place because they had a covenant with God, which was always looking forward to the one that Messiah would cut. But um, the wealthy place really was their covenant. It's really what it was. And that's you and mine's wealthy place today. Can you say amen? It's the covenant that we have that provides all these things that God gave to us. Amen? Our wealthy place is what Jesus preordained and came to earth to, to secure for us. The covenant, what he preordained that we have in this covenant that he provided. I'm almost done. I know some of you are getting, getting to your maximum capacity. You know, you can only listen as long as the seat can endure. But I'm almost done. Now, one more verse here. Let's go over to the book of Ephesians, the second chapter. Everybody say, I have a covenant with God. It makes me wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. I'm talking about everything, everything you need. Peace, joy in the Holy Ghost, righteousness, direction, but also provision, money, divine healing, answers, everything. Everything. Here in Ephesians 2, we find verse number 10. Uh, he said, verse number 8, you know, we're, by grace, we're saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God, notice, before ordained. I wonder when He did that. When did He foreordain? 
that we should walk in these good works. From the foundation of the world. Oh! God is amazing. So from the foundation of the world, He set aside a plan of redemption. Set aside the sacrificial lamb before we even had the need. But He also knew you from the foundation of the world. He also prepared a plan for you from the foundation of the world. Now, you got to read the Amplified of this. The Amplified, I don't think I have it up here tonight. Somebody have it real quickly. Uh, Put your seatbelt on or else get ready to run. God is so wonderful. If people knew how good he was, they'd run to him. We didn't even get to all these examples. I wanted to tonight. I really wanted to. Okay, we'll get there Sunday maybe. Look here, it says in the Amplified, verse number 10, for we are God's own handiwork. Ooh, I like that. Handiwork. That reminds me not of a rough carpenter. That reminds me of a finished carpenter who puts the molding in and makes it trimmed up just right, you know. Woo! You're not a rough two-before, friend. You're a, you're a piece of handiwork. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a piece of handiwork. We're God's own handiwork, His workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God prearranged, or excuse me, predestined, planned beforehand for us. Notice, taking paths which He prepared ahead of time. Notice that, taking paths. Well, the first path we had to take was down that path that He had ordained for restoring us to the glory right standing through, through the blood of Jesus and so forth. But within that path, there's paths uniquely to each one of us. There's, there's something God has for us to do. And taking that path that He's prepared ahead of time, this is what happens. We live the good life which He prearranged and made ready for us to live. Pre- prearranged. Prearranged. In other words, this is his plan. His plan is not to do you harm and evil and kick you from pillar to post. He's prearranged a good life. Well, it's not a good life if you're in the hospital every other third week. It's not a good life if you're broke and can't get out of town when you want to take a vacation. There's just things that we just know are good life. A three-year-old can understand what a good life is and what a bad life is. You ask a three-year-old, is it good to be hungry and your belly growling? No, mama, not good. Is it good to have plenty to eat? Yep, mama, good to have plenty to eat. (laughs) Children know that. You have to go to church and listen to a preacher to get you confused about things like that. Some of you don't understand me. You don't, anyway, I'm just having, I enjoy my life. So there's paths that he prearranged. So where does the path take you? Takes you to the wealthy place. Oh, see, when I heard that, I wrote it down in big letters. You heard that and you went, "Uh uh-huh, I want to go home. If you get a hold of that, it's your path to your wealthy place. He's prepared the path. Before the foundation of the world, it leads you to your wealthy place. That is all God has for you. All His wisdom, all the money you need, all the direction you need. Now, here's something that, that means more to me the more I grow in the Lord. Satisfaction. All the satisfaction I need. The contentment I need. You see, there are people that live a life that they're not fulfilled. But He has fulfillment. I am so fulfilled doing what God told me to do. No, I didn't know I was going to be fulfilled, like pastoring, for example. I didn't think pastoring would satisfy anything inside of me, but, but it just is so, it's so fulfilling. It's just, see, whatever God's plan for your life is, everything you need and really need, whether it be things like fulfillment or contentment or just money and, and, and things like that, it's all on that path for your life. He prearranged the path that has stashes on it. Pastor Debbie and I are walking into one right now. Another stash. We're like, whoo, whoo, praise the Lord. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. He, he told me why. It was because of something he told us to do before. We took that path, and that path led us into this path. We're like, oh, we didn't really. See, that wasn't our motive whenever we followed that path to do what he told us to do. But that path's leading us into something that we, it's, it's, just, it's just wonderful to serve God. 
God's not trying to take something from you when he says, I want you to do this for me, give this to me, or offer your son Isaac like he said. He's not trying to take anything from you. He's just certifying you as qualified to receive because you took the path. Mm, hallelujah. So it's God's pl- path, and it leads you to your wealthy place. You can, you can if God's will is for you to, uh, to serve half of your week in the church, I'm not saying it is, but I'm just saying if God were to tell you to do that and work only two days or three days a week and pe- spend the rest here, God has, if that's what He wants you to do, He's obligated to pay your bills. He's not, he's not asking you to, to go broke because you're obeying Him. You're just going to have to trust it's going to be a supernatural method of taking care of you. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Now, remember, thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's all going to be in line with the word of God. Isn't that right? Amen. The light to my path. Where's my path going? To my wealthy place. Somebody said, you're talking about heaven? Well, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, that's better than anything down here. Don't misunderstand me. But that's not just for, my wealth is not just in heaven. Amen. He put this earth down here for us to enjoy life. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Hallelujah. So it goes to my wealthy place. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss Sunday because you're going to miss the rest of what's what's really in. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody say, my God. He has a supply for me. See, that's what I'm preaching. I'm preaching your supply is what I'm preaching. It's already been laid up. And we're going to on Sunday, unless the Lord leads me differently, we're going to show you example after example where God was already ahead of somebody and provided the need before they even ever got there. Can I just give you a little insight into one of them? Remember the woman that came up to Jesus before, before he was crucified and poured that alabaster box of perfume? Remember, Judas got all upset, you know. He said, why wasn't this sold for 300 pence given to the poor? He didn't say it because he loved the poor, you know, Jesus. He just wanted it himself. But remember the Bible said, Jesus said to the, actually he said to Judas, leave her alone against the day of my burying has she, has she uh, saved this or something. I don't know how the King James kept this, King James says. Amplified says she has kept it that she might have it for the day of my burying. In other words, the Holy Ghost led her to hold on to that because he knew Jesus was going to come along and needed that to fulfill Scripture. <laughs> All Jesus' life was that way. He needed a donkey to, to, for the triumphal entry. He said, it's right over there. He needed an upper room for the Last Supper. He said, it's right over there. He needed tax money to pay his bills. Jesus said, it's right down there in the fish's mouth. He needed a tomb to, 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 for his body for three days. Jesus said, it's right over there. All his life was laid out and prepared and provided from the foundation of the world. He was born. His parents needed money for two years to go over into Egypt while all the baby, babies were killed. The wise men came said, here it is. Before they even took the trip. He's way, God was way ahead of everything Jesus needed before he got down here. Well, that was Jesus. Yeah, but you need to read your Bible. Because the Bible said Jesus prayed in John 17, Oh, God, help them to see that you love me just as much as you love them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everything you need is already supplied. I'm, this is growing on the inside of me. I, I just cannot be defeated because I know, okay, there's, if I come up to something, it's here. I might not see it right now, but it's here. Amen. Well, I think there's a shout in the room. You ought to stand up and let it out. <laughs> Glory. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise be to God. We're going we're gonna to get in on Sunday about what Moses actually saw when he said, God said, I'm going to, remember in Exodus 33, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. 
We're going we're gonna to look into what actually Moses saw. He saw, literally, he saw storehouses, unmarked, unmarked storehouses in the spirit realm of all this supply. Who's that for? That's for those who need mercy and need grace. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The reserves, the vast reserves. We're going to look at it in Psalm. There's a verse in Psalms that talks about what Moses saw. How great is thy goodness, which is stored up for the righteous. Mm-hmm-hmm. There's a realm. There's a supply. I saw it when we were, <clears throat> I was driving uh, over to Davenport, one of Dr. Dufresne's meetings there. What was that, the beginning of August? Second week of August. Praying in the Spirit, driving over there. and Started praying something out. And it started coming up. I started seeing this. And I said, God, we need utterance to declare what we're seeing here. Amen. And this is just tonight, in the last service, just the foundation of getting some things settled here. But we're going to take a couple more services, unless the Lord leads me differently. But uh, I got unction on this. Praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and say, your needs are already on. If you would like more information about Pastor Jay Everly's ministry, please visit us on the web at soffc.org. Or call us at 319-366-2147. Or you can write to us at Spirit of Faith Family Church, Post Office Box 8355, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, 52408. And remember, God loves you, and you're equipped to live victoriously in every area of life.